29 April 2023 early morning third day of chemo This is overlooked I'm Golda Arthur This year the cancer had come back for round 4 and mom was back in chemo I was just meditating in the morning and going through the whole flashback of the 5 years from 2018 when I was first diagnosed and now on my fourth chemo round and things are going well with the cancer cell count with my well-being both spiritually and physically just reading my nephew's message from a book that i call my cancer journey where i write down stuff about what i'm going through and it is so interesting and amazing to go through something from the very first day when i was diagnosed to now my nephew rohan's message from May 2020 when i had my i think second recurrence he says like a painful family member or friend that keeps turning up at your doorstep to demand your attention but who you cannot disinherit or throw away you have embraced this thing as your own and i was thinking of those words that i have embraced cancer as my own treating it like a you know a a person you really don't want to deal with but have to deal with and that that's been my theme all along like okay it's back what do i do with it like you know do i just uh, grumble and rail against the world and talk of things like why me lord why me or do i just say all right just come in let's let's chat let's see what we can do you stay with me you heal me in a way and heal my inner spirit and and that's what i think genuinely summing it up is what cancer has done it has opened other eyes inside of me that made me look at various other aspects of my life that were never looked at before uh so in a way yes my bible readings my meditations i think that's what took me from dark moments in my life i can see the pattern of grasping and clutching and hanging on and trying to just live by the day trying to cope with thousands and thousands of everything that was coming at me to just dealing with it and in a way cancer was my friend in this genuinely it's like each time it came back it was oh this is not a piece of straw that i'm clutching to this is turning into a little twig and then it's going into a little log and then it's a branch and and then a tree and i'm okay my my roots are firmly on the ground and i'm i'm growing I'm genuinely growing. I'm not just a piece of straw. To fasten, insert the metal clip into the buckle to adjust pull on the strap to unfasten. In June of this year, mom finished her course of almost 6 months of chemotherapy. She was recovering well, and now there was a small window of opportunity to do something she had wanted to do. in fact needed to do for these last 5 years 
For the entire time that mom has had cancer, she hasn't told her mom, my grandmother, about the diagnosis. Where are we going, mom? Uh, at last, to Bombay. And, uh, my gosh, I don't know, it's a very exciting feeling because we're going after, I'm going after five years, and Golda is going there after 12 years, 13, 13, 13 years. years. So we're going to see my mom, and uh, it's very exciting. But right now, after a 12-hour flight, we are exhausted. <laughs> Still got three more hours to go. Mom worried about how my granny would take the news and wanted to tell her in person. But between the rounds of chemo and then the pandemic, traveling to India just wasn't possible. Now she's finally well enough to make this long journey to the city where mom was raised where she met and married dad, and where I was born and lived for the first five years of my life. Mumbai, or as I still call it, Bombay. It's August, and that means one thing in Mumbai. Rain. In the monsoon season, everything is wet, humid, flooded. It doesn't really drizzle here. The rain arrives, and then it leaves. There are no half measures. Okay, here we are uh, in Mumbai. The street just outside my grandmother's house. And a lot of construction noise. Mumbai is just, they're just throwing up these new buildings everywhere. Um, You know, it's uh, when they say that India is a place for the senses, that's no exaggeration. There's a lot going on here. But we're basically here to see my grandmother and for my mom to tell her about the cancer. And uh, we'll see how that goes. Mom walks into my grandmother's apartment first. I follow her in, and the first person I see at the door is my aunt. She hugs me for a long time. She's crying, and I can't help myself. The tears are already rolling down my face. When I walk in, my grandmother is sitting down. She's just had shoulder surgery, so I can't hug her, but I kneel down next to her and hold her hand. Hi, Mama, I say. And now she's crying too. I've never seen her cry before. She, like Mom, is just not a crier. It shakes me up, and it's all I can do to keep myself from wailing, from letting it all out. But I don't want to add to her pain. I am her first grandchild. She's the person who taught me how to say my own name. And I haven't seen her in 13 years. So I keep smiling, I keep crying, and squeezing her hand tightly until she stops. The rest of my mom's family is here, too. My aunties, my mom's two younger sisters, my uncle and cousin. We all hug and talk, and then we stop and take a minute to process that we are all here together. My nephew, who I'm meeting for the first time, is a precocious four-year-old and keeps us all entertained. 
Outside, the rain starts again. The view outside my grandmother's fifth floor apartment is a lush cityscape. We can see the tops of palm trees everywhere, interspersed with buildings, some tall like the one we're in, some squat, some half-constructed. Here they're painted peach and yellow and pink. Something about the sound of the rain and the pink buildings and the lush green palms brings me back to being four years old again, watching the rain, waiting for it to stop so I can go out and play with my cousins. But now I'm happy to sit here and allow this sound to settle me like few other things can. You know already that my mom is a foodie, and this is where she gets it from. It won't surprise you to learn that my mama is an amazing cook. In her small kitchen, we're tasting a batch of masala, a mixture of fresh coconut and spices that she's ground up and will store in a Ziploc bag for the next time she needs it for a curry. Mom and Mama are speaking in Konkani, the language spoken in Goa, where my mom's family is from. I speak no Konkani at all, and Mama speaks some English. About a month before we came to India, Mama slipped on a puddle of water on the floor. She fell and broke both her shoulders. She's recovering from surgery, and for a woman in her late 80s, the doctors say her recovery is going very well. She's not her usual active self, but each day I can see her get better and stronger than the last one. It's, uh, it's cool and everything, but the rain... This is what it sounds like. It's really coming down. Visually, it's dark, dark gray skies with uh, lots of uh, thunder sometimes. And like living in one big cloud, even though we're not on a hill, because the, the clouds are so low and they're really opening up to a lot of rain. After about a week, when we have settled, adjusted to each other, recovered from the jet lag, mom decides it's time to talk to mama and tell her about the cancer and that she has just finished chemotherapy treatment. Mom goes into her room and talks to her quietly for about an hour. Cancer is not a thing we talk about in our family. And of course, it's not just our family. It's not a thing that's talked about openly in India. And it's not a thing that's talked about in South Asian communities in the West either. We all think we're terribly modern until it comes to this, talking about death, fear, and ovaries. 
Mom is pretty open about it now, having been through it these last five years. But it seems like everybody else is still catching up. These two weeks in India pass so quickly. And now it's time for goodbyes and hugs and Ubers to the airport. We are sad and heavy and grateful and vow to come back as soon as we can. Ladies and gentlemen and dear children, we hope that you had a pleasant flight. It takes us two whole days of traveling to get home back to New York. Please remain seated with your seatbelt fastened until the seatbelt sign has been turned off and do not open the overhead bins. Thank you. The day after mom and I arrive in New York, the jet lag kicks in and we both wake up at 5 a.m. Everyone else in the house is asleep. We make a pot of coffee and sit down for a debrief of the trip. I was ready to just plunge right into mom's, you know, episode of her falling down and breaking both her shoulder bones, having fractures, surgery. And I wasn't expecting her to be as good as we saw her. What was amazing was seeing her build her independence and her mobility and her being more dexterous from literally from day to day. It wasn't like leaps and bounds, but her determination. It was like she came into the kitchen to deliver this message to me and walk out again. So it was, it was a great moment. Like it was a great thing. She's telling me, you know what, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be uh, okay. I'm able to walk. I can think. And I have always been on my own for a long, I've been on my own for a long time since dad died, decades and decades. And now I can, I can, I can do this. For me, it was like a reinforcement of how I feel. It's like it was um, sort of connecting with the stock I come from. Like, so even if I want to sort of give up in between somewhere or feel low or feel, oh, I can't do this. It's like all I need to do is think of mom in that kitchen telling me that she can do it. And she's 89 years old and she's mentally better than I am (laughs) and fine. And, you know, like as long as you have your mental faculties and you have some faith in the creator, you I think you can do it. And maybe our coming there, you, her eldest grandchild, and me, her eldest daughter, coming there made a difference to her. But seeing her recover, so determined to recover, made a difference to my journey. The bottom line, it's going to be fine. And I think that's been my motto all this year. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It'll be okay. Fine. So tell me. What what was like what it was like meeting her for the first time in five years and she was there she is at her broken shoulders. For me, that moment was very surreal. It was like I'm actually here after five years. Never once in those five years and through all those chemos, 24 chemos, did I think like I'll actually see my mom. And there are times in these five years when I used to very intensely 
have these vivid moments when I used to think, am I, like, you know, I'm, I'm with mom. It's not a, not a dream thing, but just a waking flash of a moment where I'm with mom. And when it actually happened, it was like, oh, this is a dream now. It was like, it, I couldn't believe that I was actually doing, like seeing her. Like, this is what happens when I think, when you get, experience very very intense moment it's an out of body experience kind of out of mind experience and that's what it was but that particular moment when we walked in the door and she was sitting on that chair and just sobbing which is a first for my mom actually crying like we we are not criers you know it was a very very grateful my heart was full of gratitude like that that I was able to do this and and funnily enough it was like no, I'm going to see her again. At that very moment came that on the heels of that gratitude came the thought that, you know what? And so that is hope, I guess, that I might be able to see her again. I might be able to go back to India and, or not India, somewhere I will be able to see her again. And so it was a hope, moment of hope. Like it was all these emotions mixed into one and relief that, oh my God, I actually did it. Like, I mean, I was able to do this. You know, the creator actually helped this to happen. Like it was a little dream that came true, kind of. Like we just take these things in our stride. We are like tough from that point of view or, you know, not very emotional that way. But that was an emotional moment with my sister. And with mom, it was like a, like I was on a cloud somewhere witnessing all this from above. Yeah. It wasn't me down there physically, kind of. Mm -hmm. It was strange. I wasn't there when you told her about yeah. the cancer. Mm. So what was that like? Yeah, she was lying on the bed and I I told her, I said, I was diagnosed with ovarian cancer and I had to undergo treatments. I'm still undergoing the treatments. And I was looking at her face as I was saying this. And it was very, it was like she was, like as if she had put a barrier between her and me. Her facial expression was a barrier and she didn't want to hear. She didn't want to know. So normally, as far as family traits go, we are that way. Like if somebody gives me really, really bad news, I I go into another zone kind of. Like I'm not dealing with the bad. Unless it's a crisis where I can do something about it. But if it's news that's really heartbreaking and I can't do anything about it, I usually blank off. And my, I think mom was doing that. She was like just blanking out. Through the two weeks, I kept talking to her about treatments and about, you know, like um, in front of her, like while she was present, while we were all sitting around having tea or whatever. My sisters and I were discussing it openly and I don't know whether it was registering. And, and you have to understand that for this generation of maybe Indian mothers or women, um, the word cancer is a very taboo as well as a very scary word. So they'd rather not deal with it. Like nobody will ever discuss somebody having cancer and being healed. Have I accepted that? I'm hoping she's processing it now because now I'm going to be very upfront and heaven forbid, if I have to go in for a treatment or a scan or something, I will call her up and say, I'm going for a scan, a cancer scan. 
I mean, it sounds very, looking back, it sounds very silly. Like, you know, like, why wouldn't, why wouldn't you tell her? But there were, there were circumstances why we didn't tell her because the time I was diagnosed was the time her youngest sister was in hospital and, and she died. So that was not the moment to tell her, oh, okay, mom, I've also got cancer now. And then from there, it was just slipped away from me, kind of. So, yeah, that was, that was the story. The situation is that there has been no complete closure on disclosure of the fact that I, I had cancer kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I'm leaving it at that. I don't want to be insensitive about it at the same time. It's not the goal of my going there and coming back was not for her to deal with it, the deal with the fact that I got cancer. The goal was to just be with her and that got accomplished. But I want her to focus on her getting well, herself getting well first. Well, I mean, you know, I was just thinking like, you know, how long did it take me to accept that you had cancer? Like three years? Three years. And I was there. I was there when they put that stupid pipe into you. Yeah. You know, when you're on the outside. I'm sure it takes a long time to accept it when you have cancer, but. Mm. The word, you will use the word accept. And I think, I'm sure it means different things for different people. It's the method of acceptance. When you accept, what do you do with it? That's the complete acceptance. You can verbally say, yes, I've accepted that this is what I'm having to go through. But like I said, it's like the daily journey that is, I don't want, to, uh, at the same time, I don't want to make having cancer the focus of my life. Right. We must be a bunch of strong women and I want you to remember that. <laughs> Right. We are a bunch of strong women. So and like dealing with stuff is our is like a forte. We've been genetically programmed to deal with with you have to believe that that, yeah. you know, with things that happen in your life kind of. Yeah. And so, yeah. Good. Anything else to add? No. How did you enjoy the trip? I mean, enjoy. <laughs> yeah, no. I, and in a way, enjoy. Yes. Well, we enjoy the experience, I guess. Yeah, no, I mean, it's very important. I mean, I got eaten alive by the mosquitoes. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. I looked like I have smallpox on and my legs. The rain was relentless. It was, it was important to document it. and. Well, I mean, I don't know how to end the podcast. How does this thing end, Mom? <laughs> like, I mean, it's I like... There's an end in the sense, what is the goal is that it's ovarian cancer. It's it's our contribution to make people aware, the awareness. And it's also in what minuscule, tiny, you know, subatomic particle kind of way, we can get people on board to look at it because audio messages are powerful. You don't know when someone could be listening to it and who could be a person who could be an influencer yeah. to help out with the movement forward, like yeah. going forward to help towards diagnosis or recovery or whichever aspect of ovarian cancer that there is. I mean, for any other cancer for that matter, it's not a scary thing anymore. That's the good part, right? Yeah. Yes. But but I think what I'm trying to do with this show 
is to go beyond ovarian cancer mm. and just be like, why don't we talk about ovarian health mm. more? Right. That's a good point. It's like perfectly normal person with perfectly good ovaries and fallopian tubes and everything else should know about yes. their own body. Yeah, like we know about our breasts. Mm. We know about our cervix, our vaginas, all this stuff. You know, it has a place in popular culture as well. Mm. But the ovaries are like invisible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. That is true. So then you come back to the point where there's a purpose in life for yeah. everything, yeah. right? There's yeah. a cosmic, uh, divine uh, reason why things happen to people. Whoever thought 10 years ago that we would be talking about ovarian cancer, like we were just no, no. going about our merry lives, saying, no. oh, retirement, it's time to retire, let's travel. But you know what? It's good to know all these things at the same time and then take care of your health, like you yeah. say. Like yeah. take care of your perfectly good health. Yeah. Now, I've been thinking about merch. <laughs> merch. Yeah. Do you Good think point. you can crochet the reproductive system as earrings? Yes, I could. If it's... <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything you say no? <laughs> no. I like new ideas like crocheting the reproductive system as earrings. <laughs> Our story for the podcast ends here. In real life, long may it continue. Thank you so much for listening all the way through. Tell us what you thought about the podcast. You can write to us at overlookedpod23 at gmail.com or please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Talk about the show with your friends and talk about ovarian health too. Follow us and send us a message on social media if that's your thing. Find us on Instagram and Facebook at Overlooked Pod. Thanks again for listening. Overlooked is written and produced by me, Golda Arthur. Our associate producer is Jessica Martinez Dios. Lisa Soep is our editor, and Eric Gomez is our sound designer and engineer. Please share this episode with someone who would like to listen as well subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you're listening to this. And for more information about the show, check out our website, www.overlookedpod.com.